morning. Whew. You know, this morning again after church, uh, we're going to have our our uh, annual business meeting. If you're visiting, you're welcome to come and 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 see what's going on. You're you're um, definitely invited for that. The uh, um. Sorry, but again, membership, we need a quorum in order for this to happen, so we just ask that you would stay around. And I think what's going to happen is we had, we've got lunch coming, but unfortunately something came up. The, the pizza's not going to be ready until 11.30, and then it's going to be driven here from town. And so it's going to be like 12. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to start the meeting as soon as we get the table set up at about 11.30. We'll start our meeting. And then, um, and then when the pizza gets here, we'll break, we'll serve up, and we'll just keep going. Our meeting usually lasts about an hour and 15 minutes. We do Usually it's pretty quick. And so, but uh, you're welcome to, to stay for that. Just want to get that out. And w- with that, you, you, I mentioned members. So we have membership at this church, and we do a couple of classes a year where you can become a member. And then I also do it occasionally one-on-one with people for uh, varying reasons and meet with them or a couple and walk them through membership. Well, this year I've walked with two people individually through membership, uh, met with them, to become members um, because they were, we weren't able to do the Saturday classes and we never received them as members um, on a Sunday morning. And I thought, well, let's do that right now. And so this morning, we're going to receive Felicia Runcy <laughs> and Louis Lotka in the back as members. Go ahead and stand up if you, if you both could. And, um, you know, so amen. Amen. Don't want to put them on the spot, but we always give an opportunity. You know, I've, I've introduced you, but if you, you want to share anything, anything on, on your heart, this is a great opportunity to do it. But uh, don't want to. Yeah, see, Felicia loves to talk. Amen. Amen. I believe. I agree. I agree. So if, if you're kind of visiting and want to, want to check it out, we will be having a membership class um, again in... Um, in March. We're going to do our our 101 class in March, and so we'll get that in the bulletin next week. It's a Saturday, usually about a five-hour class. We get to know where we came from, what's what's going on, as well as, um, you know, an opportunity to to become a member. And so you don't have to become a member after you do the class. Some people run out screaming. Actually, no, that's never happened once in all all the years. But uh, it is a great uh, time to get to know some of the other people and, and really find out our history. So, as I wanted to get that done, we are in our series, our continuing series, um, which was to be the second week of the journey. Um, we're talking about the journey, so we're going to be covering different people in the Bible and uh, talking about their journey and what they learned, because we've discovered here that all of us are on a faith journey. Every one of us, whether you're a believer or you're still a seeker, wondering what Christianity is about, um, that we're all on this journey, and we don't get there until we die. And so um, if any one of you have arrived this morning, go ahead and raise your hand. So with the preface of like that, nobody's going to raise their hand, right? I mean, and that's the thing is, even within Christianity, for those who maybe have been serving Jesus for a long time, um, you know, I, I look over at Rabbi Antoine. Uh, he's, a, he's a rabbi. He's a teacher. He's a, a, a pastor. Uh, he's in his mid-80s, and he knows that he has not arrived. 
his journey continues on, and it's going to continue on until the Lord takes him, whether the Lord comes back to get him, uh, you know, and get all of us, or if the Lord comes back just for Antoine, and that, that body right there just stops existing, and then he is forever with his Lord. No matter what age, we're all on this journey. And so this morning, we're going to continue with the theme, and I want to talk a little bit about Noah. And, and for right now, I'm going in chronological order of different people that we can learn some things from their faith journey, from the journey that they had. And so we've, we covered Adam and Eve, um, and so and Cain, actually Cain and Abel. And so I want to talk about Noah this morning and some of the things that we can learn from Noah's journey. Amen? So uh, you can get, get in your Bible. We'll read a couple of things, but in Genesis is where we find the account of Noah. Did I say Noah? Yeah. Okay. You know, I get thrown off. I used to tell this little, and I still do the little kids, and I was, we'll see, you know, this little, this little riddle. How many animals did Moses have on his ark? Right? You see, you already kind of got prefaced with that. Wait. None, because Moses didn't have an ark with animals on it. It was Noah. And so sometimes when I'm going Noah, ark, and I, I think of Moses again, because Moses did have an ark, there's just no animals on it. It was the Ark of the Covenant. But anyways, um, we learn about Noah in, um, in Genesis chapter 7, or in Genesis chapter 6 and ja- chapter 7. So we, we can put your, your finger there if you want. Okay, let's read. I feel like my eyes are getting worse every day. Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. Actually, no, we're going to go before that. We don't want to go that far yet. Verse 9 in chapter 6. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The, the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Sounds familiar. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Some of you, I think, says cypress. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And then he goes on, the Lord goes on and gives him instructions on how to make it, how long, how wide, how high, lower decks, middle decks, upper decks. He says you're going to cover it with a roof. You're going you're gonna to finish it to within 18 inches or a cubit uh, from the top. You shall make it with lower second and third, uh, third decks. Behold, verse 17, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, your sons, your wife, your sons' wives with you, and every living thing and all the flesh you shall bring. Verse 22, thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him to do. God shows up to Noah, who is a righteous man in his generation, and he says, I'm going to flood the earth. I'm going to destroy all flesh, and only you shall be saved through this. He told him to build an ark in a place that there wasn't a big body of water. According to Genesis, we can get into this a little bit long, Genesis chapter 2, no rain had yet come on the earth. And that's, that is debated among Bible scholars whether, whether there still had never been rain um, at the time of the flood or not. I lean towards that there had never been rain. We'll get into that in a moment. 
So God tells Noah there's going to be a flood. Probably, I'm thinking, Noah might be going, what's a flood? We don't know that, but if there had never been rain, there would probably never been a flood. All of us who live in Big Bear know what a flood looks like. We had one last week. And I got really scared when there was two dogs running down the road. I was just looking for like two cats and then two elephants and everything else. Um, so, so God is having this conversation with Noah. And he says, this is what's going to happen. You're going to put take your, your family and all these animals and you're going to build this boat, this ark. And it's going to save the whole world. But I don't see that God said, by the way, it's going to take a hundred years. But it took uh, Noah a hundred years to build the ark. Now, I don't know if God has ever spoken to you about something that you are going to accomplish or that something he had for you, but I guarantee none of us have ever had to wait a hundred years for it to come to fruition. Now, some of you are getting up there in age, and maybe you've waited a lot of years, but none of us have made quite a hundred. And to be serving God in that time, uh, waiting to see the end and the fruition of the promise is one of the things we're going to talk about today. And so this is Noah. We don't know if he even un- understands what a flood is. We don't know if, if, uh, if, if there had ever been rain, but we're going to learn some things from from Noah. Now, now imagine, you're, you're, you're out, and, and when I was doing the notes for this, I started saying that he was building the, the, the ark in a desert, because we think of that whole area as a desert. However, if there had been no rain yet, and the earth was bringing up the mist from the ground and the water from the ground, everything could have been very different. It could have been a very fruitful area, and so we're not going to call it a desert, but, but we're going to say that we don't believe there's a whole lot of water around. Okay, so, so Noah is going to build this big boat in the middle of nowhere to sail it on for a hundred years. Okay, now, 450 feet long is the ark. And, and I, one of these days, I am going to go see the Noah Ark exhibit that's in Kentucky because I want to go see this thing and kind of look at, at what it may have looked at. But 450 feet is quite large. To get a good perspective, we're going to look at the football field of, of the high school that they would play over at, you know, by Minder Field there. A hundred yards plus the end zone is less, just slightly less than 450 feet. So this, this boat is big. Okay, this isn't no small thing. It has three decks. Now, and, and, and it's, it's, and it's, uh, quite, quite large. So Noah gets on working on this thing. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Evan Almighty. Um, that was kind of fun. He had to build an ark too. And I don't know if that's the way it went for Noah. But, uh, the, but the same idea. People begin to probably come and say, so Noah, what you doing? Okay. I think the world was kind of looking at him, laughing at him, especially if, now, I don't know Noah's personality. I know that some pr- uh, people who do personality tests look at the Bible characters and kind of ascribe to them their personality traits. I'm not sure what kind of personality Noah had, but, but if he was a little sarcastic, he might have said, oh, I'm building a boat because you're going to get destroyed. And I mean, I don't know, but anyways, he had some conversations with some of these people, and I think they probably mocked him a little bit. You know, year after year 
after year. I don't know if you've ever had a neighbor who started working on a project that was an eyesore or just beginning to bug you. You begin to every time you see him. So you ever going to finish that? The world around Noah thought he was crazy. Listen, here's the first lesson. I got to, yeah, I have to move a little quicker than this. But the first lesson that we're going to learn from Noah is it doesn't matter what others think. See, Noah continued to be faithful. He continued to do what God called him, and he didn't care what others think. No matter what we try to tell ourselves, every one of us wants to fit in a little bit. We don't want to be totally the outcast. We want to feel accepted. We want to feel normal. But here's Noah living in a time of, of just sin and corruption, but he never gave in to, I just want to be like everyone else. God, call somebody else. He was seen by different, I am sure, um, by other people. He's like, you are just a weirdo. And, and I, you know, I know some of you guys have, have had the same thing happen to you. It's happened to me too, uh, where people, because of our faith, just think that we are just weird. Why don't you do what other people do? Why, you know, um, you know I, I, Mickey Hall, and he's not in here, to, and he wouldn't have to defend himself. He, he got, a, a while back, he got a, a tax return from the IRS that he thought was quite large. Way, well, much, way larger than what he thought. So he called the IRS and said, you guys made a mistake. And the guy looked up his records and said, no, this seems right. And Mickey said, no, you guys are wrong. You sent me way too much money. And the guy says, no, I'm looking at the paperwork. This is how much you should go. And Mickey fought with him. I think he actually says, I want to speak to your supervisor. You gave me too much money. Okay? Most people go, you're crazy. I mean, right? But see, sometimes when we live by principles, when we follow the Lord, we, we live by other standards. The world says, why are you living like that? Why do you spend time praying to somebody who doesn't exist, who can't hear you because they don't understand? And this is the same thing Noah had. He, the people were against him. But he lived and didn't care what others thought of him. The world we live in is quickly becoming antagonistic, even hostile towards God and towards Christianity. It's, it's amazing. Every day you hear another news story of, of, of things, and I, I read articles or read headlines of, of people mocking our faith, mocking God. Um, we're living in a... In a it, quickly becoming definitely post-Christian. We're already in a post-Christian society, but we're becoming into an anti-Christian society. The idea of heaven and miracles, righteous, godly living, Christ rising from the dead for our sins, it's, it's becoming laughable. It used to be sacred, and, and people have always thought these things, but now it's public. And, and there's just a freedom to talk about um, our faith and talk about our God. Not just, see, we, we got to be careful not just say, they're attacking my faith, they're attacking your God. It doesn't matter what others think. We as believers have to hold firmly to the Word of God. And, and we need to know that, that what we teach and preach here in, the, in this church is the Word of God, and we encourage you to read the Word of God and let this be your final authority for life and godliness. It's inerrant. It's our source for truth. It's a standard for living. The Word of God in Hebrews says that it's living and active. 
It's sharper than a two-edged sword. We have to live by a standard, and the standard is found in the Word of God. I've been in a lot of great conversations this, uh, this week and recently with people and, and how you, know, you compare science into the Bible. We're, science doesn't scare me. You know, some people say, well, science disproves the Bible. That's such a lie. We live by the standard of the Bible, and the Bible actually just keeps telling the same thing over and over, and science keeps going, oh, yeah, well, I guess you're right. Most, most cos- uh, many, many, I should say, I won't say most, but many, many cosmologists are even admitting there had to have been a creator to start the whole thing because it's impossible for it to just have happened. The Bible, church, it's our standard, and we don't have to be afraid of what other people say. We live according to the word. That's why we read it daily. That's why we attend church and life groups and Bible studies so we can learn more about God, about his word, and his will for us as believers. The Bible is where we learn that we're just pilgrims here. We're sojourners. We're strangers. And this life is temporary. We're born. We live some 50, 70, 100 years at, at, at best on this earth. And then we live for an eternity with heaven in heaven with God it's a journey this life is a journey it's not the destination listen watchman knee said this the Christian experience from start to finish is a journey of faith it's a journey of faith just when you are looking and thinking I'm just about there when I was a young man in the Lord I loved God and just wanted to serve him with everything and I just kept looking like I can't wait till I'm a little bit stronger in the Lord a little bit older in the Lord because then I'll arrive I look at some of the saints that I knew and think, wow, I want to be like them. And then I found out I never arrived and they hadn't either. Because it's a journey and we just keep growing. Everyone's on a journey. Unfortunately, not everyone is heading in the right direction. This life has many different paths and there's a lot of forks in the road. There's tributaries, if you, as it were, and, and not all of them lead to eternal light. Jesus said it this way. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. We are on a journey, and so is everyone else, but not everyone is heading towards the right goal. The greatest commandment in the Bible is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. To love someone is to tell them the truth to help them find their way on the journey. No matter what other people say, we need to keep pressing in, loving them so much that we're not afraid to tell them the truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, even when the world thinks we're crazy. Lesson one, it doesn't matter what other people think. Lesson two, we need to learn from Noah that we have, he was faithful to God. We need to learn to be faithful to God. Noah set himself apart by being faithful to God and he didn't give in to sin, temptation, discouragement. That, that what he did could not have been any easy task. I mean, I, I look around projects in my house and even just like, I want to build a woodshed for my, well, I ran out of wood, so I don't need a woodshed anymore. But I want to build a woodshed next year for my wood. And I'm like, can I even build a woodshed? And God asked Noah to build an ark. The task was not easy and people mocking and questioning and the answer being further out. And yet Noah remained faithful to God and he fulfilled his promise. God called Noah to an immense task, a task that took 100 years to complete. And it had never rained. 
God calls us to live in a way that seems odd at times. You know, I, I don't know if you've thought about this, but we've been proclaiming the return of Jesus Christ for 2,000 years, and yet he hasn't come. It could, it could cause us to stop proclaiming it and just give up. Well, we haven't seen him coming yet, but he will. Just as Noah didn't know when it would start raining, he continued to build. So we need to be, continue to be faithful to get what God has called us to as well. To love God, to walk worthy of the calling, to tell others about Christ, to live sacrificially, to live selflessly, to wake up early on a Sunday to come and teach a class, or to, or to put out the snacks, to shovel the walkways, to prepare and practice on the instruments for worship. People are here at 7 o'clock in the morning getting ready for things that are going to happen so that we can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and encourage one another. We have to be faithful to lead a small group or take someone to the doctor to go shovel a path for them, to sit with a neighbor who's mourning the loss of a loved one and comfort them, comfort them not just with words but with the love of God that comforts us and give them hope of eternal life. We have to do that and not give up. We don't lose heart. Church, Christ will come back for us. Whether we're alive to see it or we've already passed from this life and are in his presence when he comes back for those who still are still alive. We, like Noah, have to remain faithful no matter what the cost. And I want to say there are so many faithful saints in this body of believers. I want to thank you for for being faithful each and every Sunday and each day that you do the things hidden behind the scenes. Keep going. Let's be faithful. The third lesson we can learn from Noah is that we need to trust God to guide us. Noah trusted God to guide him. It wasn't just like, it wasn't like God just told Noah, hey, build an ark. Okay? He gave him instructions. He gave him how to do it. He told him that, that he would bring the animals... God gave some pretty specific directions. In our, life, in our lives, God gives us directions too. He gives us directions through the Word of God, through godly men and women, through pastors. And we need to trust God to guide us. Trust in God. You know, we don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. Hank Hanegraaff, the Bible answer man, doesn't have all the answers. No one has all the answers. In fact, I think it's safe to assume that, that most of us have far more questions than we do answers. Amen? We need to learn to trust God, to stop trying to know everything before we act, and stop trying to control everything, and trust in God. What has God told you? What commandments, what leadings has he given to you? What are you feeling God is, is want, wanting you to do? And is, is, is that confirmed in the Word of God? F feelings can be, dis can be distracting and, and not true, but what is God leading you to do? God gave Noah specific guidelines on how to build the ark, and he had to trust God with it. Hey, Noah, it's never rained, but there's going to be a flood, so build a boat in the middle of the dry land and get ready. There was something else on, this, on the ark that, that, that I caught this week that I never caught before. According to Genesis, it, it, God hadn't sent the rain down. We talked about that. Springs came up from the ground. And, and some people believe that, that at some point it started raining before the ark. 
I lean towards that there had never been rain yet because so it said that the heavens were open and the floodwaters came down from heaven. I think that all this water that we know around us was in the earth and up in the sky in like a canopy and it came down. A lot of Bible scholars believe that. It do doesn't matter. But if that was the case, if it had never rained, when God was saying, okay, Noah, I'm going to bring a flood. And Noah goes, okay, I know what water is. And a flood is a lot of water. And water comes out of the ground we're good. More water is going to come out of the ground. It had never come from any place else. So God says, make this big 450-foot boat, three levels, cover it way up high. Okay, finish it, you know, with pitch and do all that. And he says, oh, and put a roof on it. And Noah's like, why? Why do we need a roof? It's, I, I wonder if the, he was actually stuck on that. Like, why would I put a roof on it? We're going to have, we want the air to get out because these animals are going to stink and it's never rained. He doesn't know what rain is, but he puts a roof on it. And Noah's going, are we going to go upside down? I don't know. Is this a submarine? We don't need a boat. We don't need a roof. But I'm going to trust you, God. What is it in your life that you're going, I can't see this? I, I don't know what you're talking about. You want me to go teach that class? I, I don't know the Bible well. If you want me to share my faith with somebody about Jesus, I don't know the words to say. You want me to help fund that missions project in Kenya? I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills here. But we're going to trust in God. Church, we have to learn to trust God and not have all the answers. God gives us direction and guidance, but it doesn't always make sense, so we trust in God. God's been speaking to the leadership of this church. And we're going to be talking about that as, uh, throughout this message here as we get to the end. But as leaders, we're, we're trusting him in some in decisions that we're making. Lesson four that we can learn from Noah. Take your strength from God. You don't have to do this on your own. Get strength from God Almighty. We all have doubts when we face things, when we're living our lives for God. It's, it's really normal. But sometimes people try to talk us out of what we're doing. Sometimes we feel like it's too difficult for us to do it on our, on our own. Noah had those times too. He was just a human, just like us. God was the one that provided Noah with the strength to overcome all of the critics, all of his disabilities to make this thing happen. And God does the same thing for us too. We have to believe all the promises of God. But as I've said before, some of the promises of God don't make us feel very good. Here's a promise of God from John 16, In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We, we've got a promise from God that life is going to be hard, but we need to be of good cheer because... God, Christ, has overcome the world. Max Lucado, or Lucado, depending on your bent, says this, God never said that the journey would be easy, but he did say that the arrival would be worthwhile. God never said that the journey was going to be easy, but he said that the destination, the arrival, it's worth the difficulty we're going to go through. And we're going to go through trials and tribulations and difficulties and persecutions, and we need to rely on Christ and his strength. We can't do this on our own. 
we as Americans are the most individualistic, I can do it country in the world, and it's to our detriment. We don't know how to rely on people. We're going to do it our way. I can do this by myself. We do it so much that we have re, we reinterpreted something from God and changed it, and it's wrong. We say this, I can do all things, and we stop with that. We say, God's never going to give you something that you can't handle. God's never going to give you something that you can't handle. That's hogwash. That's just an absolute lie. And if I were to, to ask for a show of hands, who went through something that you couldn't handle on your own, hands would go up all over the place. They go up all over the place because the truth is we can't do it on our own. In fact, God allows things into our life that we can't handle so that we'll learn to trust in Him and rely on His strength, not our own. In fact, if I can do everything and God's never going to give me anything that I can't handle, I don't need God. I've become my own God. We go through things all the time that we can't handle on our own. It's one of the crazy things about Christianity. I mean, let's join this group of people, this weirdness that says, we're all failures and we can't do it on our own. That sounds like a good plan. But in Christ, he says, no, listen, you can't do it. But I am going to send the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Trust in me. Lean on me. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge me, and I'll direct your path. Of course, that was God speaking. That's not me. I'm not cultic here. That's what God tells us. The journey isn't easy, but the destination is amazing. The work is hard, but the retirement program is out of this world. Church, we need God's strength. We have to learn to trust in Him. We have to learn to wait on Him. As I was preparing these notes, this, this, the scriptures, and many of them were songs, they just began to, to come. And so I just, I just started typing them down. And, and many of them, I didn't even know the scripture. I had to look up the scripture references. I knew, the, I knew what they said. So I'm going to read a few scriptures. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those who wait on the Lord, not on themselves. Psalm 118, 14 says, The Lord is my strength and my song. He's also become my salvation. The Lord is our strength. He's our strong. Amen? Take your strength from God. I remember the, I used to do... Um, Many years ago, I did uh, wor wor worship at, at sometimes at Calvary and with a, with a group with a lot of people at Calvary. We used to do the song, I Waited. I Waited for the Lord on High. That's it. I waited for the Lord on high. He turned to me. He heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. I love this version. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He put my feet on the solid rock, on the solid ground. He gave me a firm place to stand. Psalm 20 says, some people trust in horses. Some people trust in chariots, but I will trust in the name of the Lord my God. We need his strength, 
not our own. Our strength, our trust, everything comes from him. God calls us to places that we can't reach, tasks that we can't complete without him. And then he says, trust on me, wait on me, rely on my strength. Noah needed God. God told Noah to build an ark to save all humanity and all the animals. And yet, the end, who brought the animals to Noah? God did. And who shut the door? God shut the door. Noah did a lot. God empowered him to do a lot, and yet still God comes through. Rely on him. Trust in him. If there's not quite an answer yet for you, you know, maybe at some point Noah's going, okay, we're getting close to getting done with the ark. Um, I know I have to go get two of every kind of animals, but I'm kind of afraid of bears, lions, and tigers. Come like Wizard of Oz. And I don't know if I'm going to go out and get those and bring them back, but that doesn't sound like a good job for me. I know what he was thinking. I, I'd probably be going like that. And I'm going to go wrangle an elephant, a couple of rhinos, maybe a hippo or two. No, two. God brought the animals. I mean, it's crazy. I and mean, this, is, this is a crazy story. But God brought the animals. We have to rely on his strength. We have to wait and trust in him. The fifth, the fifth lesson we learn, and I, and I just want to cover this because it's important. At the end of, of everything that God brought Noah through, we see that Noah was having some celebration time. So Noah gets drunk. He over-celebrates. He sins. The man of faith, the man of God, who saved the world, falls into sin. You know, we learn that none of us are immune to sin. None of us are immune to temptation. It comes. The Bible says, see, this is where we get the scripture I talked about out of whack. The Bible doesn't say that he's not going to give us anything that we can't handle, but he does say, no sin has befallen you except which is common to man, and with every sin I will provide a way of escape. He will never let you be so tempted that you have to sin. There's always, there's always a way out of your temptation. Now, now here, one of the things that happens with this is that God provided you a way out yesterday, this morning and at noon and you just kept walking right towards all the stuff that you weren't supposed to be involved in until finally you're right there right in the midst of sin going God help me and you jump the rest of the way into sin we need to be a little bit more aware of when he's giving us a way out but no matter what just like with Noah if you sin the Bible says if you confess your sins he's faithful and he's just to forgive you of your sins and to purify you from all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter. Sin comes. Temptation comes. None of us are immune. But when that sin comes, there is grace and there is mercy. Now I would warn us to never jump into sin with the idea that God will forgive you. Don't, don't purposely go out and start sinning and saying, well, there's grace. His grace is sufficient for me. But when we fall, 
Though I fall, I will get back up again, the Bible says. No matter where you're at, if you've made a mistake, God's going to bring you through. We rely on his grace and his mercy each and every day. Doesn't matter what the world says. Doesn't matter what others think. I'm going to be faithful. Lesson one. Lesson two is I'm going to be faithful to God. No matter what people think. We're going to trust in God to guide us. We're not going to lean on our own understanding and thoughts. We're going to get our strength from God. And if we fall, we will rise again. I've, I've taught this, but it's important for us to know. Conviction versus condemnation. The Bible says there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There is no condemnation. If you are feeling condemned by your sin, it's not from God. If you know somebody who's sitting at home today and they're feeling condemned from their sin, that's not from God. God does not condemn people for their sin. There is no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're out of Christ Jesus, if you've never received Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, you are condemned already. If you've got family members and friends and neighbors who do not know Christ, who've never trusted Him to be their Savior, they are are condemned. Church, let us never be a congregation that allows people outside of Christ to feel good about their position, about being outside of Christ. We need to, as the Bible says, uh, what, when he, he was telling the, the parable about bringing the people into the, the Last Supper, the Celebration Supper, he says, go out to the highways, go out to the hedges, and compel the people to come in that there may be that my father's house may be full. So, but, but if there is somebody you know who's, who's outside of Christ, then you compel them to come into Christ. And if there's somebody who's in Christ but is home condemned, you need to help them to get over that and say, that is not from God because there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, but there is conviction. There is conviction. Conviction says, you are not in the place that I have for you. There is something wrong in your life and I want to heal you from it. I want, to, I want to deliver you from it. Conviction draws you back to God. Condemnation pushes you away from God. If you're feeling condemned, that's the enemy coming in trying to push you further away from God. And God says, no, there's no condemnation in me. I want you to come closer to me. Though my sins be as scarlet, I will wash them white as snow. That's the call to all of us, and to everyone that you know, to help people come on this journey of faith. And that's what we're on. This, this congregation started in 1964 in a little small uh, Bible study in a living room. People gathered together to begin to study the Word of God, to pray and to seek His face. And within a short time, they knew that they were supposed to start a congregation. So by 1965, the Big Bear Christian Center was started. And they've met in multiple locations over the years. They started out in houses. They used to meet in a little tiny building, right? I was going to call it Contel for all of you really old people up here. Bartlett and Beaver Badger area where the Southwest Gas U Station is back there. 
there was a building that belonged to Southwest Gas, and they rented it, and they started the church officially in that building and met there for years. In fact, I attended that building in about 1981 before I was a Christian because it was my Boy Scout troop or my Cub Scout troop. In about 1983, they, this property here that we're on now came available. And that was a crazy deal. There was a foster family here that was trying to get out of town, and they were having a hard time selling this. And they, uh, Christian Center owned the other building. And so they came up with this crazy idea, and they said, let's swap buildings, and then you can sell our building, and we'll get you. So they actually swapped. And then the other group sold that one, and they left, left town. This, this uh, place, this room wasn't here. This was built in 1989, 1990. This back part of the church was a foster home. And is there anyone today that knew anyone who grew up in this, in this place? Every once in a while I, I uh, meet people who says, oh, I had a friend who used to live at that house. It's a foster home. Over the years, we've had four pastors. So actually pretty good since, since that's what, uh, 53 years, 55 years. Four pastors. We've had a lot of different worship leaders, a lot of different youth leaders. We've had, we've tried programs. We've tried, we've done cell groups. We've done program groups. We used to do uh, outreaches in the park. Uh, some of Marilyn remember we used to do, I used to do some crazy stuff with doing outreaches and breaking bricks and, and, you know, doing power feats down in the village. We've done just about, we were in the parades. We've done everything to reach the community. We've done concerts. We want to make a difference in the community that we live in. And that continues on. We have been known as a hospital. We've been known as a lighthouse on the mountain. In the last number of years, God has been speaking to us not to change, but to continue to embrace who God has called us to be. And that's to reach this community. Like Paul, I become all things to all people that by, by any measure I might reach some. Never, 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 never do we want to change the Bible. We never want to, to lessen the Word of God. But, but culturally, we want to reach people where they're at to bring them in to Christ. Many years ago, the Lord spoke to, to me, to, to, and we went through the journey of bringing everyone we come in contact with one step closer to Jesus. And that's still my heart. I want us always to be thinking, how can I, right in this moment, help to bring somebody that I know one step closer to Jesus? You might not be able to seal the deal and, and pray the sinner's prayer, but you can love them in a way that they go, wow, I thought all Christians were, were hypocrites, but this one's real. You just help somebody get one step closer to Jesus Christ. When you return something that you would like to keep, but you know it's not yours and you give it back, you find it, you help somebody to grow one step closer to Jesus. When you love your wife or you love your husband in a godly way and somebody sees the example of a good marriage, you draw somebody one step closer to Jesus because you're living out your faith. A number of years ago, when we were in the transition period, I'd been the pastor of, of Big Bear Christian Center coming up on, on seven years. 
We did a three-year, a two-and-a-half-year um, transition period with Pastor Jeff before that. And in that transition period, Pastor Jeff was just inundating me with things. He's like, oh, you need to come up with a training track and a discipleship program, and you need to do this, and I, all these things that were going to come. And I'm like, wow, I need to do this. And one day he says, you need to pray about changing the name of the church. It's been Christian Center a long time, and I don't think Christian Center relates with people like it used to. And I went, fine, sure, one day, not today. I mean, I was just, just freaking out that I was going to be the senior pastor two years ago, out of nowhere. And, and this is kind of a new phrase, and, and it, this might freak you out a little bit, but I feel like God downloaded something to me. And I wasn't praying about it, I wasn't thinking about it, but God told me the name of the church. And immediately I remembered Pastor Jeff saying, you got to pray about changing the name of church. So I got this, this name, and I went, I better pray about this. And so I sat on it, and I prayed, and I sought God. And every time I turned around, I feel like he just brought it up again, and he confirmed it. Driving down a freeway, seeing a billboard that said the same name of our church, but talking about life. I went, God, is this really you? And if you know me, I'm a slow adopter. I don't like change. I need consensus. I need everyone around me. So I slowly, after months, began to leak a little bit to some leaders. Hey, this is what God has been speaking to me. What do you think? What do you think? And I know there are people who already know what God has been speaking to us, that they've been going, when are you going to finally pull the trigger? And I tell you, it's been, it's been very difficult. But I really believe that, that, that now is the time, and, and I'm going to be really clear and honest here. We, I, I might be late. I was thinking about that this week. I was going, I almost feel like I'm late, that it was my fear, fear for, what, for whatever. But here's what's great. If, if I am, God's the Redeemer. God's good. So please put up the simple logo. This isn't a logo. This is just a name. And I just put something simple up together. We don't have a logo, but we believe this is what God is calling us to be is the Journey Church. We're all on a journey, and our job is to help other people along the journey too. We want to have something that the community can relate to. Big Bear Christian Center has been in this community for 50 years and it's it's been a mainstay and we're not changing one bit but the name culturally isn't as powerful as it used to be in the 70s and 80s christian centers people knew them as churches now we get a phone call a week asking people to to book a conference at our conference center the average person thinks we're a conference center driving down or when they look into the phone book and they see the name. In town, I don't know if this happened to you. So what church do you attend? Big Bear Christian Center. Where's that? It's the one on Highway 38. Oh, yeah. Our name has not connected with anyone. Lately. So we believe it's time to help relate in a better way to the community at large. You know, I, I don't know, and you'll remember this if you've driven down the, the thing. I think God just did it for me just for fun. 
there was billboards all over on the 91-215 freeway, Life is a Journey. Remember those? Cal Baptist University. But it's not, it's not just them. All over you know they say, life is a journey. Well, it's true. Life is a journey. We're on it. The destination is heaven. It's our job as a congregation to help everyone get on the right path and find Christ. So over the next couple of months, we're going to be working on, on some, uh, you know, like logo things just because we're going to have to uh, do some new printing. Our signs have been falling apart for years. You know, they're, they're pretty disgusting out there. They're like 25 years old. It's time for a new sign. Part of the thing is I didn't want to replace the sign knowing that this is, might be what's happening, so we're going to be getting some new signs. Um, there's some exciting things in the works um, with our neighbors wanting to build, uh, build some more, uh, build a, uh, a daycare center just to the north of us. That might, they said we could use their parking. That might open up some parking to us. We're talking about maybe getting a mutual sign, big old lit sign on the boulevard so people can see us. We want people to know that this is a place they can come for help on their journey because everyone's on a journey. Now this week I had asked, we have um, uh, David in the congregation who's a graphic designer and um, with there was somebody had gave, come up with a little, um, a little design and I says, hey David, see what you can do with this as a potential. And so I'm going to ask him to put that one up there too just because I love David and his heart. And David drew this for us. And so we're going to see what, we're, we're just going to keep praying and looking, but but you see the idea that the, the journey goes from the, around the, you know, we're on a journey. I also, huh? Then exactly, JC. And on the other one, if you saw the Journey Church, it was a cross with JC in TJC. So we don't know where we're going to go with that. That's not nearly import, as important. But I wanted to make this announcement that, that uh, we're going to be moving forward, but we're not changing. We're just continuing on with what God has called us to be. But we, we don't want to be the best kept secret in Big Bear. And I tell you, a lot of people feel that way. Oh my gosh, Christian Center is the best kept secret in Big Bear. They come, they love it. It's just, oh, I feel loved and welcomed. And, you know, and I get you know, comments on the preaching every once in a while. I get comments on the worship. And just mostly it's about love and the spirit of God. This shouldn't be a secret. We need to go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come into the Father's house. Not, not, they can come here. They can go to any church that's preaching the gospel. But we want to we reach this community in a more relevant way. And so that's it. You f feel free to come. We have questions. We're, um, we, I want to do this not in the business meeting, but because this is for all of us. This is the congregation. We're going to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for examples in the word of God like Noah, who's a man of faith, who trusted you, who believed you, who followed you, who relied on your strength, and who said, I don't care what the world says, I am going to follow you. God, I pray that each of us would adopt that heart attitude and need for you and, and to live out our faith boldly, no matter what the world says. God, as a congregation, we desire that we would continue to reach our community and do it even more and more. God, I thank you that in 2 Corinthians 3, it talks about reflecting your glory and that we grow from glory to glory, that, that on this journey, we change a little bit 
at a time until we reflect your glory more and more and more. God, we want to reflect your glory to our community more and more and help people find peace, hope, life in Jesus Christ. God, we pray that you would just continue to encourage us. Bless this service, God, as, as we close and we begin to go into the, the meeting. We, we pray a blessing upon that. God, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Anyone who can stay, and we're going to have to bring some tables in here and, and uh, get ready for the meeting, and then we'll, we'll start the meeting at 1130 with or without food, and then the food will get here about noon. <laughs>